Welcome to the Brown County Hour. Coming to you from the legendary hills of Brown. Where the plum purple haze, the one nature herself drapes in the hills and hollers, inspires local characters, artists, and nature lovers. It's as though the hills themselves conspired to create a beauty and a culture in the heart of Indiana. Sit for a spell and hear the music, the tall tales, the true stories, and the current goings-on. Brought to you by folks who still know how to sit by a fire in winter and swim buck naked in the summer. Welcome to Episode 10 of the Brown County Hour, celebrating the young people in our county. I'm Susan Showalter. And I'm Janice Pierce, and we're hosting this show. Brown County is made up of many diverse communities, one being youth. We start our radio journey with Julia Pearson's offering of some county history. Susan visits with two incredibly talented young sisters, and Vera Grubbs learns about the mentoring program. Then we head over to Brown County High School, where Tom Baker's media class produced their own segment for our show tonight. Then Pam Rader, Tyra McCain, and Rick Fettig investigate other local mentoring organizations. Rick also has news of a new local doctor, and George Clegg reports on February's frogs. Without further ado, let's begin. Here's Julia Pearson sharing information from our county's historical archives. When the Brown County Historical Society thinks of its segment on the Brown County Hour, we like to pose this question, what's the difference between then and now? It's what grandchildren ask their own grandparents in so many different ways. Portia Sperry, that well-known Brown County author of the beautiful little book Abigail, sat down at her typewriter to write a letter to her grandchildren so that they would have an actual record of the Sperry family coat of arms. Portia's letter answers the question, what's the difference between then and now? And I'd like to read it to you. Dear grandchildren, perhaps your parents have told you about the origin of the Sperry coat of arms. In case you might have forgotten and not able to tell your own children about it, grandfather and I thought you might like to have it written down. After we'd lived in Brown County for a few years, Charles said, I think we should take as the Sperry motto, sweet are the uses of adversity. Because we're having so much more fun with very little money than we used to with plenty of money. Well, that set me to thinking, and I thought we really could make our own coat of arms and use Charles' motto as a beginning, and then showing how we got out of the Depression. First of all, our garden. We could not have lived without our huge garden and all the hundreds and hundreds of quarts of vegetables we canned. You see, we promised ourselves that we would not borrow a single penny to live on. And vegetables, especially when they are creamed, go a long way to fill up hungry boys. So the first thing to go on that coat of arms would be a rake and a hoe, symbols of the garden. Then, the beloved cow. We never could have made the grade without that cow. She not only gave us all the milk we could drink, but our neighbors had what they needed. We owe a lot to that cow, a lot of fun, as well as a lot of milk. So we would put our cow in the lower left-hand corner of our coat of arms. Next, we designed and made our precious Abigail doll. 
or rather, we taught the Brown County women to make her and her clothes. We sold her wholesale all over the country and earned enough money to start our shop. She deserves a place in the upper right-hand corner. Carl Martz, Uncle Bob's brother, drew the coat of arms and painted it most beautifully. But the story isn't finished. Jim decided he would make an etching of the coat of arms and print book plates from it for grandfather's and my Christmas present. When he told Mr. Griffith, a very fine etcher, who most of you remember, what he wanted to do, Mr. Griffith tried to discourage Jim. He said it was a tremendously difficult job and he did not think Jim could do it. But with true Sperry spirit, Jim refused to be discouraged, and on the front of this booklet, you will see the result of his work. Even Mr. Griffith said it was remarkably well done. And I must mention our Abigail book, which we wrote in 1935, because if it had been written when we made the coat of arms, it would have deserved a special place. It is now in its seventh printing with royalties coming in every year. It was great fun writing it, as your parents will tell you, because they all helped. All of us working together, we managed to support ourselves. When our friends learned about it, they wrote asking how we were doing and could we suggest ways for them to earn a living. And then their friends wrote asking the same question. I wrote a story of what we were doing and called it Doing It Together because we never could have succeeded unless we had all worked together. The Woman's Home Companion was the first magazine I sent it to. It was printed in the October 34, 1934 issue. We had come to Brown County in 1931. Here's an unusual incident. One Sunday morning, Miss Eleanor Roosevelt came into our shop and her first words were, Oh, I recognize Abigail. What an amazing thing to have a wife of the then President of the United States recognize our Abigail doll. I can't end without telling you about the valentine Jim made for me when he was 10 years old. You've all seen it. It's hanging on my bedroom wall, all faded and old now, but still one of the most precious treasures. He carefully printed and colored each letter of a favorite quotation of mine. It isn't life that matters, but the courage you bring to it. From Grandfather and Grammy. And they wrote it on Apple Tree Cottage in Brown County, Indiana, February 1960. I hope this inspires you. I hope you go out, pick up a pen or a pencil, and that you write a long or even a short letter to your favorite grandchild, whether you're related to him or not. I think Brown County has a rich, creative gene pool. My guests, the youngest children in an incredibly musical family, may help to prove my point. And I have part of the Sanderson family with me here today from northern Brown County. I have Maria and Molly and Jerome. The Sandersons are well known in our community as incredible musicians. They have two older sons that are attending Indiana University now. Since our show is dwelling on youth, I thought it'd be great to hear from these young ladies. Maria, how long have you been playing violin? Five years. I started when I was seven and now I'm 12. That's a long time or a very short time for all you have learned. Is that your favorite instrument? It's my favorite instrument. I started piano when I was really young, but... Do you still play piano? Sort of. And Molly, how about you? When did you start playing violin? When I was six. 
about nine years ago. Who teaches you? My teacher is Brenda Brenner. You study at IU? Yeah, in the pre-college strength program. How long have you been doing that? We've been going there for 11 years now. That's fabulous. What do you think inspires you the most about playing violin, and why do you think you decided to start playing, Molly? I started playing because my brother started taking lessons, and I guess I just thought it was the thing to do. But now that I play, I really like it and don't want to stop. Did your father have something to do with your starting or your mother? My dad plays violin, too, so... He started off my brother, but and my mom coaches us sometimes. So you've heard music all your life, played by your parents? Yeah. That's probably a big influence then in your life. Do you have any favorite musicians that you like to listen to yourself and who you aspire to play like? I like to listen to my big brother. Your big brother? Yeah. How wonderful. I really like Itzhak Perlman. I love him, too. He's incredible. And... Last October, my violin group got to play with Augustine Heila, which was incredible. He's an amazing violinist. And where did you play with him? At the Indianapolis Historical Society. Oh, wonderful. Where is he from? Germany. He was one of the winners of the Tchaikovsky Violin Competition. It Mm -hmm. happens every four years. Have you girls met Joshua Bell? We've heard him a lot. Do your brothers know him? Yeah. You know, Joshua grew up in Bloomington, so I would assume that maybe he's real excited about your brothers. They're all being taught by the same teacher that Joshua Bell. That's fantastic. Do you girls go to regular school? I think you're homeschooled, aren't you? Yeah, my mom teaches. And what's your favorite subject? Writing. And how about you? Do you like to write too? Yeah. What do you want to be when you grow up? A violinist. Mm -hmm. How about you, Molly? A violin teacher. Okay, wonderful. I'm not surprised. And you do perform here locally sometimes. Where do you perform? One of our favorite places to perform is the Fig Tree in Helmsburg. Maria in particular really wants to do it, so we're beginning to polish up some of our old songs. Well, I know your family always packs the house wherever you place. Do you play any other places? Well, around Brown County, um, no. It's but we do play around the state at nursing homes and things like that. Tell me, girls, about going to the nursing homes and playing. Tell me how you like doing that and what kind of response you get. I really love playing for the old people because they're they're a really nice audience and they really appreciate the music. I bet they do. I bet they love having you come visit them and play for them. What a gift. Where have you played? In Terre Haute a lot. Indianapolis at a number of nursing homes that have us regularly. And we've played all over the state, actually, though, in places up near Marion and so forth. What a wonderful thing to be teaching your children, who. How about crafts and things like that? I'm the craft person. She's a very good artist. Both very good artists. Well, in fact, all four kids are very good at drawing and sketching. And That's great. So I understand you're going to play a little music for us today. Can you tell us, Molly, what the first one's going to be? Well, Starve the County Down is one of my favorites. It's an old Irish song. Starve the County Down? Yeah. Where did you learn that? Some people in my church were singing it, and we found the music somewhere and decided to learn it.
That was fabulous. Thank you very much. Boy, you can really play. Let's have another song. Tell us about the next one that you're going to play. We don't quite know the name of the song. These people from Sweden called Frigg came over to um, the Indiana University, and they taught us this song. And we actually got to play it in the Lotus Festival. Wonderful. Did you play with them? Yeah. Fabulous. I bet that was great fun. Yeah, it was. Do you go to the festival every year? No. This Mm -hmm. was the first year, but we're hoping to do it again next year. I wouldn't be surprised if you get invited back. Let's hear that Swedish tune. styles of music do you play and what's your favorite? We play classical, Irish, gypsy, fiddle. My favorite is classical and Irish, I think. Great. Those are my favorites, too. I think I like classical and fiddle. Do you dance, too, sometimes? Um, I just quit dancing a year ago. You quit dancing? Yeah. But I still dance a lot. Were you studying with someone? Yeah. What were you studying? Ballet, Irish step, tap, jazz, and I was also doing gymnastics. And did you decide you didn't have enough time for your music? Yeah. Maybe you can go back when you do have more time. Did you enjoy those things too? Yeah. Sounds like you're very busy. Now, do you know some other ones you want to play? This is a song Maria wrote about her dog. It's called Bess. singing. Do you sing? I go to the Bloomington Choir. She sings very well. Do you want to play some other ones? This is a song written by the Everly Brothers called Let It Be Me. Mm-hmm. 
for joining us today. I really enjoyed talking with you. I hope you'll come back again and that everybody will have an opportunity to come and hear you soon out in and about in the Brown County and Bloomington area or wherever you might be. And I wish you continued success in your studies of music. Thanks for coming. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for having us. We'll be returning right after a short station break. Welcome back to Episode 10 of the Brown County Hour. Thera Grubbs talks to Beth Mathers, creator of Brown County's Mentoring Project. I have with me today Beth Mathers, a community activist and author. I love working with children, and I've worked with children for 46 years. And anything that has to do with enlightening their life and making it better for them is where I'm at. And so I had a preschool in my home for 14 years. I worked at the Children's Museum in Indianapolis and designed programs for them. Uh, In this county, I have created programs 
mostly at Van Buren at this time. You haven't mentioned the mentoring program. I came up with the idea of having a program for students that would be interested in learning the arts, realizing what a great wealth of artists and craftspeople that we have in this community. It's just unbelievable. It was overwhelming for me because I love to make things and do things with people that are creative. So I came up with the idea of a creative mentoring program and uh, just started it by uh, putting a couple ads in the newspaper. And I primarily have students that are in junior high school because the high school students are too busy earning money for cars. (laughs) (laughs) And the younger ones, I do take young students um, if they are willing to sit long enough. And what I do is I've, I have found wonderful, wonderful artists who are willing to donate one day a week during the school year to work one-on-one with a child to teach them their, their talent, their gift. It's, been, it's really, it's our 16th year, and it's just hard to believe it's gone on that long. And I hope it goes on forever. <laughs> <laughs> it's just lovely getting to know them and meet them and have them be a part of the life of a young student. I think that the reward for them is as great as it is for the student. I've never heard otherwise. And as a lot of my students have gone on in the arts and have careers because of this program inspiring them, so I feel very honored. What motivates and inspires you creatively? Just the surroundings and the people who are non-judgmental and, and, and allow you to create these wonderful opportunities for children is really a, it's such a gift for me. But it seems like the nature of this place has just opened my mind up to other options and other opportunities. Let's talk about the book. I have been privileged to spend a lot of time at Van Buren School with the children. They were leaving one morning, the sixth graders, to go to a program. It was up at the Museum of Art. When they came back, they wrote me lovely thank you notes. And I went in to visit their classroom, and I thanked them for their letters. And I said, I want you to do one more thing for me. And I will come back in two weeks, and I want you to tell me um, something that I want you to do something for somebody else, not yourself. Um, You know, it can be a family member or a friend or whatever, but do some act of kindness. And you can do two or three, too, if you want, but Mm -hmm. I'm asking only for one. And I went back two weeks later, and the stories were just unbelievable. The, the things that they learn from just doing one act of kindness. The short of it all, uh, Deborah Schein became my publisher, and she loved the idea of teaching children values and all the things that I think are so important. There are ten different chapters in the book. It's called Speaking of Me. It is a writing journal, and I use historic quotations to introduce them into the topic. 
the experiences are just unbelievable. And it's traveled all over the United States. It's in India. It's in, in some places in Europe. And this year, it's very exciting because the superintendent and the school board have accepted it as a text for the sixth graders. So I'm very excited about that because it gives me a chance to touch more lives, which is, I consider, a great privilege. Thank you, Beth. I've enjoyed listening to your stories, and I'm sure our audience will, too. I've enjoyed this. Thank you so much. And like every experience I have here in Brown County, it's The people are so special. Some time ago, Pam Rader spoke with Tom Baker at Brown County High School about a collaboration. Our youth show gave us the perfect opportunity. Welcome to Eagle's Eye Media. I'm Danny Ryan. And I'm Nicole Werdehausen. Today we'll be talking about what has been happening at BCHS. For starters, how about those ECA scores? Brown County High School placed first for public schools in math. We also placed in the top third for English and the top fourth in biology. BCHS isn't just doing great in academics. We also placed first at state in our drama department. Taking home several individual awards, our robotics team also placed first at the state level. Coming up on March 20th, there will be the academic team invitational. We're expecting a great turnout. Along with great academics, there have been several renovations made to the school. We have new lighting in our commons and in the gymnasium. And a new science hall is built during the summer. There will be an open house to see these new rooms on February 29th from 6 to 8 p.m. during the science fair. Also on the 29th, starting at 6.30, will be open house for the 8th graders and their parents. Speaking of our 8th graders, they won first place at state in the We the People competition led by Mr. Thomas. Great job, guys. And if anyone is looking for a great time full of talent and fun, on February 24th, beginning at 6 p.m., there will be another benefit concert held in the high school auditorium. However, if you wish to perform in the concert, tryouts are February 22nd at 3.30. And rehearsal will be the following day at 3.30 as well. Both tryouts and rehearsal will be in the auditorium. Well, we are on the subject of great talent and potential fame. There has been talk of new Hall of Fame inductees. It will be great discovering who those five lucky individuals are. And now we will have a few interviews with some of our BCHS faculty. First, we will be talking with our head of the theater department, Doc Godfrey. Over the weekend of the 21st, the BCHS theater department took first place at the state competition at Huntington University with the play Mr. Roberts. So, Doc, how does it feel to win state this year? I'm still actually taking it in. It really didn't even start to hit until about yesterday morning. It's odd. It's a different feeling altogether. Can you explain to us what the different trophies are here behind you? This one that's the double mask was given to any of us who had been involved in the final cut. So 11 of us received this one. This one, which I'm very proud of, is an award for best ensemble. That means my sailors did all of their work. It was out of all of the 10 groups that had ensembles, we received the best award for that. That really surprised me. And then this one, of course, is the trophy for first in state. And did any individual students win any awards? Yes, we did have Zach Margison win Best Actor in State. We had Parker Ray come in second for Best Supporting Actor in State. We also received runner-up seconds for Tech. Did you guys encounter any problems during your performance this weekend? Well, there was this little thing like a snowstorm. <laughs> so that was one problem. We were trapped like rats, couldn't leave. So we didn't leave even the building until about midnight, and then we'd get back to the hotel about 1.30 in the morning. It was tiring, but we also were asked not to go at the time that they had originally slotted us for. We were told once the first show had started that now we were going to be the second show in 40 minutes instead of the third show we were leisurely getting ready for. And that was ratcheting up the tension in a big way. But it went very, very well anyway. How did all of the BCHS members of the theater department react to this? 
at first I think that they were a little shaken when we were thrown off our timing. We gathered ourselves back together. Then they started dropping the set, the lighting on top of us by accident with the Huntington crew. So that probably stressed people a little bit again, but they held on and our leaders really did lead. And I think everybody just knew we had a job to do and we'd done it before. Overall, how do you think the BCHS Theater Department did at the competition? I thought they were pretty sharp. And all of our actors who are trying to go forward in theater also had their auditions and in all of those auditions they were called back many 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 places called them back that was exciting too and how has the spring musical guys and dolls been going so far we've just started some of the choreography and just started some of the teaching of the music some of those items are very easy to do and some are very tough they're having a good time because it's a fun show thank you for talking with us today dr godfrey and congratulations again on taking first place at state at huntington university now we would like to talk to our newest faculty member band director mr cooper Mr. Cooper, tell us a little bit about where you went to school and your past music experiences that prepared you for your job here at BCHS. I went to high school at Carmel High School and then went to Ball State for a year and just graduated last year at Indiana University. In all of those places, I was involved with concert bands, marching bands, jazz bands, pep bands, everything that you see here at Brown County High School I've been involved with for a number of years. I'm at some pretty high levels and I'm really looking forward to bringing that here to Brown County as well. How has your year been so far here at BCHS? You can ask any first year teacher. It's busy and it's hectic, definitely trying at sometimes, but I think every day gets a little bit better and the students are responding really, really well and I think we're making some great improvements. So overall, it's been a good year. As a first year teacher, I feel lucky that I can say, yes, it's a good year and I'm looking forward to next year. What are some of your goals as band director here? First and foremost, I want to maintain the level that they've had in the years past. Mrs. Richel, my predecessor, did a great job of of taking this program and making it something to be proud of. So I want to continue that tradition, yet maybe find some new venues for us to perform in, take the marching band possibly to competitions, get us a little bit more involved, a little bit more out there and exposed to the public so that Brown County High School is not only known for great athletics and this, and yeah, they have a pretty good band program too, but wow, did you, you know, see that Brown County High School marching band? They were fantastic. You know, I want those those kind of reactions. How has the jazz band been doing this year? Oh, the jazz band has been great. We started with a lot of beginning jazzers at the beginning of the year, but since then they've come a really long way. They've put in a lot of long, hard, tedious work, but it has gotten to a very, very good point where we're able to read lots of really great charts like the one you're going to hear in just a few minutes, and then they've advanced incredibly. So I'm really looking forward to the next half of this year and then starting in with most of those members returning again next year. Okay, and now here's our jazz band performing the song Sing Sing Sing. Thank you. 
you for taking your time with us today, Mr. Cooper, and good luck with the band program. Now we would like to thank Pam Rader for inviting us to be part of the Brown County Radio Hour. And thank you for those who tuned in. If you would like to hear more about BCHS, please go to EaglesEye.net to keep updated on what's going on in your local high school. I'm Nicole Werdehausen. And I'm Danny Ryan. And we are with Eagles Eye Media. Mentoring is at the heart of the youth experience. Pam investigated Beta Teen Center, Youth Leadership, and Big Brothers and Big Sisters. The main reason that I started working on this teen center is that I know so many people that are super creative and I just felt like a lot of kids don't get an opportunity to really get exposed to what some of these wonderful people are doing. We thought it would be a really good way to get them connected with the community and get them involved in things that they don't get exposure to at school or at home. We discovered other people had similar interests and we sort of joined forces the Nashville Christian Church was willing to let us use the building. Our first objective was to become an organization so that we could uh, receive donations. And And you meet at the field house. Right. It's real handy. It's with short walking distance from the junior high and high school. And two days a week. Uh, Mondays and Thursdays from 3.30 to 7. Is there a specific age group? Most of the time we get junior high students, and that's because they're of an age where they can't get in the car and go somewhere. We would like the beta teams to make things that they can sell. What we're striving for is like a junior achievement type arrangement where they can contribute and think about and also understand what it's like to have a business in Nashville. We're planning on being a part of the Spring Blossom Art Festival. We hope to have a table where we can sell some of the things that they're making in these workshops. If anyone wanted to get involved, how would they contact the beta organization? They can call us 988-8807. We have a Facebook page out. It's beta team. We have a post office box. It's 1194 in Nashville. Welcome volunteers. And I guess one last question, which is what does beta stand for? Beta is when something is a beta test site. You're trying it out. You're seeing, just experiencing something new. That's what we're providing for the teens is to hopefully let them have some experiences with things they've never been exposed to before. What that stands for is Brown County Enrichment for Teens Association. I just want to make it clear that we're very grateful for our grant from the Community Foundation because it's enabling us to partner with some artisans and provide some workshops for the teens. The great thing about this is that we're not trying to make the teens into artists necessarily. We want to expose them to the arts. We're really grateful for the support of the Brown County Economic Development Commission and also the town of Nashville. It sounds like a great program. Do you accept adults? Dawn <laughs> <laughs> Crum, what attracted you to this project? It's good to see the kids have a place to go. It's uh, pretty much the same as when I grew up. I think back to things that I learned in uh, outdoor education with Jack Weddle. Just had an incredibly rewarding experience. Your name, Amber. And you've been coming to the Beta Project for a while? The beginning of school year. Are you new to our community then? Mm -hmm. Oh, 
So this was a way for you to get to know people too. What kind of things have you made and while you've been here? Um, we did little jewelry boxes and we painted them portraits, um, t-shirts, necklaces, rings, earrings. Have you made some new friends here too? Um, I've made a lot of new friends. <laughs> What's your name? Alex? And Alex, how long have you been coming to Beta? A couple months. Do you like it? Yeah. What do you like about it best? A lot of my friends come here. Great place to hang out. What are some of the favorite projects you've done here? I painted these boxes a while ago, and I gave them to my brother and my sister for Christmas. Brian Dodge is with me. Are you a regular here at the Beta yeah, Center? Yeah, for Beta. I uh -huh. try to come at least three times a month. Oh, so you started the Leadership 2.0. Yes. And how's that going? Youth Leadership is going really well. We're about to start planning for our second year for 2012-2013. It's been an interesting ride. I love it. I wouldn't change doing that decision for anything. This is our first year, so we started off with 10 kids. Next year, we're hoping to grow. We want to do um, anywhere between 15 to 20 students. And it's high school. Yes, uh, for public and homeschool students. And how would someone get involved? Well, they can always stop at the Purdue Extension office and talk to um, Janice. And they can also go to the high school and just ask them about Youth Leadership Brown County 2.0. Or they can also look us up on Facebook. You're also involved in Big Brothers Big Sisters. Yeah, Big Brothers Big Sisters I've been a part of for uh, over a year. And I've matched with a little 11-year-old boy from the northern part of the County and he is just absolutely fantastic. We have a lot of fun. Stephanie Dean, tell me a little bit about <clears throat> Big Brothers Big Sisters. The national organization started in 1904. We always say is the oldest, largest, and the most successful mentoring organization in the world. We started here in Brown County in 1978. Chris Curtin was our first director. And how many pairs? We have about 20 matches, always in need of more adult volunteer mentors. What is the criteria. You have to be 18 years old and up. There's no upper age limit, but you do have to have reliable transportation and pass all the background check. Most of our littles are from single parent homes. They're usually from the at-risk population. 20% of any community's school-aged children are at risk. So I bet there's been studies done. There are statistics. It mm -hmm. helps kids. It encourages them. helps them raise their self-esteem and confidence and helps their relationships with their siblings and their parents and their peers, helps them in school, helps them, we hope, to become productive citizens. A lot of people want to know how time-consuming. Isn't a lot of time. We asked for our bigs to see their littles once every other week or at least twice a month, and you don't have to spend a lot of money. If someone wanted to get involved, how would they get in touch with you? Call my office. Office, it's 988-8170. Now, when we statistically say that $1 invested in mentoring, society receives 250% in return. That's a good figure. Yeah. That's a good investment. <laughs> yeah. We will return after this short break.
Episode 10 continues with a focus on youth. Rick Fettig visits with Sally Ann Murphy, Guardian Ad Litem Program Director. This is Sally Ann Murphy. She's with us. Hey, Welcome. Rick. <laughs> Thank you for having me. So um, tell us off the bat what the Guardian Ad Litem and the, the name, where it comes from, and what it means and what they do. So Guardian Ad Litem is literally Latin for Guardian of the Case. And we are um, a volunteer organization, and our volunteers are appointed by the judge when a child is involved in a court case. Guardian ad litem are asked by the judge to go investigate, assess, and then come back to court and make recommendations um, either in the child or the elderly person's best interest. Do you ever run into problem children? (laughs) Oh, (laughs) often. (laughs) How do you decide then what is best for them? If like if they don't get along with either parent or yeah, it's huge. Um, A lot of our problem solving is done at the very beginning through really extensive training, and so that was important. So I do the training basically, and I have a manual from the state and national offices. Oh, so you get direction from the state and and the national national. office. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, how big is the caseload? Fairly busy, I would imagine. <laughs> yes, we're very, I mean, very, I just think very, about the number of divorces these days. Yes, it's it's interesting now, having been in the job for three years, to watch how you know things change. You know that you can measure what's going on in society by what's kind of happening in our caseload. In when I first started out, we had many, 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 many cases with DCS. Um, you know, of abuse and neglect, as I said, chins cases. They're called child in need of services, and our caseload over the last year or so has swung and we now have many 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 um, cases of uh, custody divorce and guardianship and I think this is to do with you know the general stress economic Uh stress on the population and you can see it coming through the courts in the form of these you know dysfunctional relationships that are cracking under the strain basically it's and it's sad it really is sad to see it um, well, give us an example or two of some of the situations that you have to deal with. Oh, you know, we, we swear a confidentiality oath when we are sworn in. Oh, I want names and numbers. No. <laughs> but say, so here's a, here's a classic example, okay? You know, little Johnny has been seen walking down the road by the neighbor, dirty and hungry, and the neighbor has fed him a couple of times, and there hasn't been somebody to meet him off the school bus, say. Um, And the neighbor finally thinks, you know, there's something really wrong here and calls the hotline. Local DCS goes out and investigates and finds that um, the parents involved are taking meth. Okay, that's really, really typical. 95% of the cases in the county usually involve drugs of some kind. Um, And the last statistic I had about meth was that... um, Indiana is the second biggest user in the U.S., yeah. And it's a very nasty drug. But anyway, so that aside, um, let's go back to to our child here. So, um, you know, DCS decides they're going to remove this child from the home and put him with his grandparents or with a foster family. Um, It goes to court, and because they've removed the child, um, we, under federal law, have to be appointed to the case for the child. And so we start then, and we try and build this picture of Mm -hmm. what is happening with this child. Where should this child be to get a safe, permanent home? 
And that process can take, you know, a year to get to. But sometimes, I mean, you know, parents need a lot of help. You know, families need a lot of support. A lot of services have to go in there before you can stabilize the situation. Yeah. Well, good. Right on. Well, how do people get a hold of you if they need to find there's a need in their community or their neighborhood and If you get want involved? to volunteer, which yeah. we, please, please <laughs> think about it, really, seriously. How it works is that you should call me. My number is 812-340-8894. Um, and then we'll meet for a nice cup of coffee or something like that and chat. <laughs> and if you're interested in going forward from there, we have to run a background check. That's We're legally obliged, of course, to do that. And once all of that is cleared up, then we start your training and off we go. Well, Sally Ann, it's been great talking to you. And uh, I know I learned a lot, and I think everybody else out there will too. So uh, maybe we'll get you some volunteers around it up. That would so. be wonderful. <laughs> Thank you. All right, thanks for coming. Today we have Jeff Keller in the studio, creator of Frogs and Toads of Southern Indiana, which is a great CD that helps identify frog calls. Well, since your last visit, uh, I was amazed to learn that there is a frog that can be heard as early as February here in Indiana. Uh, That's exactly right. I believe the frog you're referring to is the wood frog, but uh, keep in mind also there are two other species that can be heard in late February. That would be the upland chorus frog as well as the uh, ever uh, ubiquitous spring peeper that most people hear by the thousands throughout southern Indiana hill country. Aren't most frogs still hibernating at this time of the year? I believe that most frogs, to some extent, are moving around, as it were, in the environment, but they're not wanting to go into breeding mode at this early of a time in the season. And this wood frog, it's not particularly a rare frog. It's not on the endangered species list. Why is this frog so hard to find? Wood frogs lead a very secretive life. They are present in very good numbers throughout the hill country of southern Indiana, but once they leave the breeding ponds, they retire to a secretive life on the forest floor. Hence, finding them outside of breeding season is very difficult indeed. What does a wood frog look like? Well, they're generally tan to dark brown in appearance. Males are smaller and darker brown. Females are larger and bronzier in coloration. Only about two inches long and kind of narrow and pointy, a lot like a leopard frog maybe. And the most distinctive feature... Yeah, they have a, a, a dark brown patch that goes through the eye, kind of goes along the side of the snout. And so it's like a, a raccoon mask in many respects. If you want to actually see wood frogs, you need to go to their ephemeral ponds, as it's called. These are not the big lakes. You want to search out the small woodland pond that more than likely will be dried up in the middle of summer. So right now is one of the best times to go looking for wood frogs. Well, thank you, Jeff, for coming in. Hope to see you again sometime. Thank you, George. It's been a pleasure to be here. Our newest team member, Tyra McCain, interviews Fair Board President and 4-H leader Ron Fleener. When did the 4-H programs begin in Brown County, and what does the 4-H mean? 4-H started in 1902 in Indiana, and in Brown County, we think with approximately 1904 or 5. 4-H is for youth from really the third grade through 12th grade. There is 72 projects from small animals to big animals, bicycle, about anything that any kid wanted to do anymore, from woodworking to cats, rabbits, chickens, and livestock, and just about a little everything. What 
got you interested in being a 4-H leader? I started out as a 4-H person and then I got involved in the 4-H fair board and then I got married and had a son and he got in 4-H and he went through 4-H 10 years and it's just kind of it kind of grows on you because I think the 4-H youth is a nice bunch to work with I just kept going what groups do you lead I lead the sheep group and also the head of the uh, livestock sale committee my son Devin is in your sheep club. Tell me a little bit about it. It's mostly a market lamb anymore. We don't have that many people raising sheep to bring breeding stock, but get you a lamb and, and raise it up to, oh, market weight like to have it about 120 pounds whenever you sell it to, to sale. And some of them don't sell them. They, they get kind of attached to them. And they take them home as pets. Devin happens to be here with us. Leslie, hear from him. What groups are you in and what do you do? I'm in Wabba and sheep. I like uh, showing the sheep. What have you learned in being in Ron Fleener's sheep club? I learned how to blush it, how to comb it, cut their nails, feed it, what to feed it to. And uh, Juan knows a lot about the shearing. Trying to get all of the kids to learn how to shear their sheep themselves, but it's kind of hard to do. But we have workshops. We've got about every kid that's a shearing sheep. It's a deal for them to learn. And Ron, when does the program start this year? Really, we're enrolling them right now. I think the first actually meeting is in February, which will be all the clubs meeting at the fairgrounds. And the March meeting will be the same way. Then they'll break down in April individual clubs. How would someone get involved? Call the extension building at 988-5495, and they will give you the, the lowdown on how to join and what you need to do. The regular clubs is $10, and the minis is $2. And if you're a mini, you don't get to show, but you get to participate in the meetings and things like that. I've been speaking with Ron. Fleener about the Brown County Fair. I hope to see each and every person at July 30th through August 3rd. See you at the fair. Hello, this is Rick Fettig, and I have the privilege today of doing an interview with Dr. Sigmoid Fraud. He's a hypnotist here in Brown County, and he works with families and troubled youth. Welcome, Dr. Fraud. We're happy to have you. Oh, yes, thank you. Very much obliged to be here, yes. Where'd you go to school to get a degree in hypnosis? Oh, there's a wonderful school in Mexico City where I sent in the application. They sent me the questionnaire about the techniques and the benefits of the hypnosis. And then after I filled it out, I sent it in. I got the certificate in the mail a few days later that showed that I had a doctor's degree in hypnosis. They even sent one of those little hats. I put it on and I flipped the little tassel. And it was the happiest day of my life when I realized I could add 20% to my bill just for being a doctor. Well, that's funny, 20%. Huh? I do some odd jobs, and any time I work for a doctor, I always add 10%, so I guess I'm going to have to raise my rates. <laughs> so, Dr. Fraud, tell us about your program. Oh, sure. What we have here is a method of a hypnosis that will give you a perfect child. It's so successful, so beneficial to everyone involved that I have dubbed it Hippo Ties, because it's such a big deal. You're kidding me. Tell me more. Oh, well, do your kids sleep in till noon, spend all their money on the jacked-up pickups, they spend all their time on the Facebook, on the iPhone, they act like you're not even alive unless they need the money or the laundry, or they disrespectful, gripey all the time. They have a weird haircut, hair color. Well, in my day, I have to admit, I slept in on Saturdays, and I stayed out late a few times, and I grew my hair long and wore bell-bottoms. Oh, but we can fix that now. Yeah. Oh, the days of the swing pocket watch and you're getting sleepy, they're all gone. Oh, all gone now what if you bring your kids in a couple of times 
I'll establish a cordial relationship with him, get them to be comfortable and trusting in me. On the second, third visit, we'll do an in-house blood test so that we can safely, most effectively determine the most productive product to use. Products? I didn't know products were involved in hypnosis. Oh, sure. Like I say, the days of the pocket watch and the you're getting sleepy, they're over today. There's so many drugs available to use on your youth. The trick is choosing the most appropriate one for the individual child. Well, you got my attention. Ah, so at this point, we bring in the kid. We get him, her, down to out, relaxed. Bam! We hypnotize them. We go on and on and drive it into their little brain cells how wonderful you are. We embed into their psyches and how tremendous and caring you are. We ingrain in them how thankful and respectful they should be towards you. We push and drive this into their craniums until they give up and surrender all that feisty energy and youthful emotions. And at the click of a finger... They'll be grateful, productive, and practically worship you. Well, Sigmund Freud, you've given us a lot to think about. But seriously, folks, if you or your child are having problems, you can contact the Department of Child Services Child Abuse and Neglect Hotline anytime at 1-800-800-5556. Or you can contact Brown County Guardian Ad Litem, which can be found at 812-340-8894, or on this email, galbrowncounty at gmail.com. This is Janice Pierce from the Brown County Hour and WFHB Radio. Two months ago, Howard Hughes, a great friend of Nashville and Brown County, passed away on December 10th while he was visiting friends in Florida. He was a generous supporter of many nonprofits, including community radio. One month ago, on January 11th, a very large group, including friends, business associates, and family, met for a celebration of the life of Howard Hughes, held at the Seasons Hotel Conference Center. A few members of the Brown County Hour team were in attendance. Howard was hugely, no pun intended, philanthropic, supporting many important Brown County projects, as well as serving on various boards where he was respectfully referred to as a pain in the butt due to his undying persistence in bringing projects to completion. He also brought opera to the rural elementary schools. Many referred to Howard as a loving friend. Others talked about Howard as someone who was always up for an adventure. People who came to honor Howard at this event shared very rich stories of their time with him. Even if you hadn't known Howard, after listening to all the stories, you felt as if you had lost someone very important to you, and that your life was sorely lacking because of it. A bicycling buddy of Howard's read an anonymous quote which he felt described his experience of how Howard lived his life. Life should not be a journey to the grave with the intention of arriving safely in an attractive and well-preserved body, but rather to skid in sideways, champagne in one hand, strawberries in the other, body thoroughly used up, totally worn out, and screaming, Woohoo! What a ride! May any of us be lucky enough to have lived this well. We miss you, Howard. This has been Janice Pierce of the Brown County Hour and WFHB Radio. The Brown County Hour is produced by volunteers. This episode's crew includes George Clegg, Rick Fettig, 
Vera Grubbs, Tyra McCain, Scott Nelson, Janice Pierce, Julia Pearson, Pam Rader, Pete Siebert, and myself. I'm Susan Showalter. Managing producer, Pam Rader. Technical producer and webmaster, Jeff Foster. Executive producer, Chad Carruthers. Thanks, Slats Klug, for your wonderful music. Walking with Nature correspondent Kaylee Witt and tech hand J.T. Robinson are moving on to other endeavors. Thanks for all your help. Best of luck, and we sure will miss you. To listen to episodes of our show, visit browncountyhour.com or wfhb.org. We always welcome new volunteers. Tune in in April for Brown County Hour, Episode 11, focusing on Earth Day. Thanks for joining us, and have a good evening. You've been listening to the Brown County Hour. Coming to you from deep in the woods of Brown County, Indiana. Celebrating the arts, culture, and nature that make this such a unique community. Visit us online at browncountyhour.com. The Brown County Hour is a production of WFHB. Volunteer-powered, listener-supported community radio for South Central Indiana. Take me back, back to my home, Brown County home.